Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists news podcast for February. I'm Vicky and I will be chatting with Derek Munn, RCSLT's Director of Policy and Public Affairs, to find out what's been going on in the world of speech and language therapy and how the RCSLT is supporting that. So good afternoon, Derek. Hello, Vicky. Thank you for joining me today. It's coming up to a year since COVID-19 first impacted on our lives and we first started hearing about it a lot. Of course, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to health and care workers who are continuing to provide services in hospitals, communities, schools, prisons and more. I wonder if you can tell me a bit about, and our audience, what is RCSRT doing to advocate for the well-being of these workers, and I'm including both speech and language therapists and other professions during this ongoing situation? Thanks, Vicky. I'm aware that there'll be people listening who are new to the podcast, but also people who listen every month. And may feel that they've heard some of this before. I'll try and concentrate on the stuff which is fresh. We have just today, as you and I speak, Vicky, launched another quick member survey, which focuses first of all on health and wellbeing. And we have that at the top of our agenda um, going forward, trying to work out where it is that the Royal College can add value to stuff which is happening happening and coming from elsewhere. Um, The survey we've launched today also touches on changes to practice, and service user experience as well. Across the piece, the work we're doing to support the profession around COVID-19, clearly vaccination continues. We're doing pretty well, it seems to us, on making sure that all frontline patient-facing SLTs get the vaccine, regardless of whether they're NHS or non-NHS. We're heavily involved in post-COVID syndrome, long COVID going forward. We are also heavily involved in the rehab and reablement agenda in each of the four nations. I think I wanted to particularly update you, though, on protective equipment, both aerosol-generating procedures, but also, I guess, a wider issue of safe spaces. So colleagues will know, listening, that there are a couple of strands to this. Long term, we continue to make the case that scientific evidence shows that certain SLT practices generate aerosols and therefore the protective equipment that they gather should be commensurate with that. It's been an ongoing discussion between not only us, but a range of professions, groups of doctors, paramedics in particular, who are suffering losses in their profession and are making the same case. Um, At the same time as those scientific discussions, some of which focus on the extent to which there's aerosol transmission and in what contexts. We're also saying, look for governments of the UK. You talk about the NHS workers as heroes. 50,000 NHS and health workers are now ill. Surely it is time to be precautionary about this and to adopt a precautionary approach and to make the best available protective equipment given to all people where and whenever possible. Now, we've started, partly it must be said, because through our own work, the Royal College of Nursing and the British Medical Association have come on side, we've started to get more traction. There's been stuff in the BBC. There's been more mainstream media coverage, the Independent, the Evening Standard, pushing this forward. It's been raised by the Labour front bench in the House of Commons, and Matt Hancock has replied. So the issue of safe spaces and a precautionary approach to the protection of healthcare workers 
is gaining more momentum and more traction. There is no change right now in the scientific evidence. And there are groups of scientists who are clearly looking at the same evidence and drawing different conclusions. And the very latest thing today is very powerful and important group of MPs called the Public Accounts Committee have done a review of um, PPE throughout. They've obviously particularly focused on the experience of care homes back last spring. But one of the recommendations that the Public Accounts Committee make is to say, government, you need to urgently look at what it is that is causing health workers to get sick. So that's the place we're next going to go. I guess I would also mention one other thing, which we know is a continuing concern, which is clear face masks and transparent face coverings. And the difference, of course, between a face covering that you might use in the bus in the supermarket and a clinically approved clear face mask. It's taking a long time. Scottish government and the Scottish NHS have to some extent been in the lead. We're trying to get an appropriate product which is properly approved and which your local infection control team will go with. We've been invited to a further UK-wide discussion to see what we learn from the Scottish experience and we're not letting that issue go either. Fantastic, Derek. Thank you very much. And I wonder what else is happening right now that's relevant to speech and language therapy? Thank you, Vicky. Um, one that listeners to previous podcasts will be aware of is that we are heavily engaged in the passage of the domestic abuse bill through Parliament because of the links to speech language communication. Uh, members of the House of Lords, who are our friends, made very powerful contributions in the debates in the Lords in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've started to build the evidence base with members who work in the field of domestic abuse or have contact to it. So, and we've also spoken to organisations representing abuse survivors to make sure that we have that, that link too. We've had very fruitful discussions with the National Audit Office, who, again, might sound a bit dull, but they're the people who look at how public money is spent. And they did a review of SEND in 2019, where they said, you've got to end the short termism. You've got to look at the long picture about people's overall life chances and experiences when you think about SEND. They're now doing work around education during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we had a very helpful discussion with our parliamentary supporters and people from the National Audit Office. They want to talk further about education in general, SEND in particular, wider economic impact of speech and language. So that's been great. We've been able at their request to advise the Ministry of Justice around terminology around neurodiversity and also contribute to current NICE guidance development in that area. And you'll also have heard me talk about the big service user survey we've run for several months. We've now closed that, although we'll continue to take stories, for example, around talking mats for a while longer. But getting on for 600 people responded to our survey using the range of accessible formats. And we're now starting both the quantitative and qualitative analysis of what's going to be really, really powerful evidence in support of the need for speech and language therapy going forward. Great, thank you, Derek. Um, I wonder if you can also tell us about the big areas of focus for the RCSLT over the next year, and in particular, why these have been chosen over others? Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it, Vicky, because obviously we work across loads and loads of areas, but by definition, not everything can be called a priority. 
doesn't mean it's not important. Uh, we're working on next year, of course. We're also horizon scanning for the longer term, five years. Um, and of course, in the current circumstance, five-year horizon scanning is, a, is an interesting thing because think of five years ago, you know, where we are now. But we have to undertake that work, but we also have to be nimble enough to respond as the world around us changes. So focusing to some extent on my own area of policy and public affairs, but inevitably these things work across the whole of the organization and the profession. I've already mentioned some of these priorities in the context of COVID-19, member health and well-being, changes to practice, including rehab and reablement, um, telehealth and remote working and building the evidence base around that. Taking account of service user preference around these things, which is interesting, and the whole agenda around social disadvantage and within that digital exclusion, which is really coming to the fore and being to some extent highlighted and exacerbated and making sure that we're on the front foot on that. Uh, other areas beyond COVID-19 that regular listeners will have heard me mention before, uh, anti-racism, equality more generally, and careers as one aspect of that is very big. Um, in England and Wales, the Mental Health White Paper, UK-wide, the National Disability Strategy, which is actually being led out of the Department of Work and Pensions, but is a cross-UK government thing where we are already meeting with ministers and officials to make sure that communication disability is properly in the mix and getting closer now. And at the moment, it looks like they'll still go ahead on the day, the elections in Scotland and Wales and the asks we're making there. Thank you, Derek. That's a really interesting roundup of what's going on. Um, and look forward to chatting with you again next month and see, see what may have changed then. Thank you very much. Thank you.